the title of my message today is Division by Confusion. As we go through this text, uh, these 12 verses, uh, we're going to see a lot of things that a lot of us, and we've seen it in this world already, that we can relate to. Uh, even, even the title itself maybe gets you wondering of, of kind of what's going to walk through, what we're going to walk through in this text, but how it's going to impact and relate us in this world uh, today. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Now it came about after this that Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses and 50 men as runners before him. What this was, was the Absalom, he, he had a chariot just for impression. He, he was just trying to impress the people. It wasn't for speed or, or anything like that. He just wanted to put on a show, kind of his own little parade that he's got going on. We've already recognized that Absalom, he, he has a lot of pride, a lot of pride in himself, his good looks, all like his hair, everything. So we know that he's all about what he looks like and, what, and, and, and uh, he's trying to please the people by what he thinks that they want. So here we are, we're back at it, and he's realized, I'm gonna do all this, and it's really just to, to put on a show, a little, little brigade that we got going on, just so people can see me and see that I'm, I'm, like, I am powerful. I, I can be king. This is ultimately all a part of his, his, uh, his, uh, his disguise here. And what we also see through this text is that Absalom's really, in this sense, through this text, he's a politician, He's a politician. He, he's trying to be one for the people. And what, after reading this text, I was kind of putting this together. Politician, they sense what the people want and know how to give the image of it. Now, hence, they know how to give the image of it. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are actually that person. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say every politician is crooked and, and has, like, they're all terrible. But, I mean, we look at, look at the world like it doesn't matter what side you're on. There's, there's everybody's trying to get their own way. No, no, no middle grounds can be met. And, and I'm not saying that, uh, that, that we need to always find a middle ground on thing, but I think that we also need to recognize that politicians in our world today, they know what the people want and, and they're just going to put the image of it. It doesn't mean that's actually what they want. And ultimately that's what we see here with Absalom. We continue in verse two. And uh, when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, see, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. So people are coming to the king. We talked about this a, a couple weeks ago. Kings at this time, ancient kings were the heads of government, but also the Supreme Court. If they felt like they didn't get a fair ruling, uh, with, their, with their local judges, they could come to the king himself. They could present himself and present their own case. So yeah, he's the head of the government, but also the Supreme Court. So that's why people are coming to him to begin with. And what we see here is that deception creates dissatisfaction with David's government because what Absalom's saying is, your, your, your cause is good and it is right. However, there's nobody here to listen to you. So he's trying to paint this picture without actually saying, because this isn't true, like, Absalom's stopping them at the gate. So they're going to turn away, no, never going to be able to present their case. But he's just saying, nobody's here to listen to. So he's, he's de deceiving these individuals. And then these individuals will then grow in their dis dissatisfaction for David's government. And Absalom, this whole time, he campaigns against David by promising to provide justice. He's, he's saying, if I, I were a right king, I were a right, I would be a right judge. This is what he's saying through this text. And, and as we discover, he's just making all these promises that he will be the one to provide justice. But he never actually says, David's a bad king. He's just saying what he would do. 
He's created this dissatisfaction with David's government and he never outright says, David's, David's an awful king and I would be better. He's just saying, I would be a right king. I would, I would bring right justice uh, to this land. And this right here we see is passive, aggressive, passive aggressiveness creates confusion because what he's doing, he's being really passive aggressive in this, in this scenario. He's saying, he's saying uh, that he'll be a, a good and right king, but he's not outright saying that David's a bad king, which he believes David's a bad king because he's been unfair in his rulings with, with him and Amnon and, and all the things that we've gathered up to this point. But ultimately, it creates confusion. And how many can relate in, 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 in your own life? Like, you've, you've been able to, or maybe you've been passive-aggressive, or, or others have been passive-aggressive. I'm, I'm sure we've all been passive-aggressive at one time or another. But uh, ultimately, like, I'm one that I like. I prefer directness because it takes out the confusion. Because being passive-aggressive, I think, or just passive in general, like, it creates like, there's no very clear line of what's actually going on in the situation. So then you're making things up and then that's probably not even true. So what we're seeing here is the best case to avoid any confusion is to be direct. And this is what Absalom should have done, but it's also really part of his plan to create confusion without being direct so that if he were found guilty, he would say, wait, when did I ever say that? They made that own judgment on, for, by themselves. That's what we're getting to. And we continue on and Verse five, and when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. We know this, that Absalom was a prideful man, deceiving all who came near him. He, he knew in his mind, he said, I can do it way better. I can do it better. And yeah, you may in a... And I can relate to this. I've been in positions myself where I've been in a position, I'd be like, I could, I could have done that better. But then I recognize that's pride creeping in. Pride creeping in to, to create division, to create a gap there or, or burn a bridge maybe by the sense. But this is, this is what Absalom's essentially doing. He's leaning into his, his pride and he's deceiving all that come near to him. And in ancient Israel, they were too easily impressed by image and too slow to see reality. So he's just putting on an image, but they're also not recognizing what is actually reality for Absalom. It's too slow. And I think in our lives, in our world today, we have only become more impressed by image over reality. We care too much about what people think of us. We care too much about pleasing everybody around us. And this is, this is the world. Like, we've all been guilty of it. I'm not, there's nobody above that at all. There are some people who are maybe better at it by not caring, but like nobody's above it. We're all, we've all been guilty of this at one time or another in our life. And that's why social media, I mean, you wonder why, why there's the, the, the rates of suicide and depression and all this stuff is so high. I mean, the younger generation is just staring at all these pictures on social media, which is really just a highlight reel of people's lives. And it's not actually truth. It is not true. It is not reality. And then comparison sets in. And then, and then fear sets in and, and, and depression. All these things can set in. And we have to be cognizant of that reality is way greater than image. Way greater than image. I could be up here and I could sit here and act like, oh, I'm a, I, like I've done everything right my whole life. But early on when I stepped into being a pastor, I said, I kind of made the decision, I'm not going to, to put on an image. I'm just gonna be me. Authenticity is way better than what, than what an image may be. And I think in that, the Lord has blessed, blessed me and, and, and Kelsey and our family, and the Lord has blessed this church. The Lord has blessed this community, I think, really because of 
the, the, the willingness to be real over what people may want. And we have to see that in our own lives. We see that the campaign worked, becoming more popular and more trusted than David. Absalom grows in favor. He grows in favor because of all these schemes that he's playing, all the deception that he's, that he's putting out there. And I want to note that at the very end of the, the, the last text that I read, it said that he stole the hearts away. The hearts of the people were stolen. They were not won by action. They were stolen. He didn't win the hearts. He, he, he created, he put himself in a position, and he stole the hearts of the people of Israel, of the men of Israel. And this is, this is really important to know because it shows like, hey, this isn't necessarily the, like, this isn't what the Lord wanted. Like, this is, this is God has called David to the position for a reason. He's a man after God's own heart. And, and, and we see that what's happening here through David's line, through his, through his sons, is because of David's own sins, obviously, and now it's, now it's bearing out. But Absalom, really, he was just promoting discontent. He's promoting discontent. And we could have people in our lives. And when we, comparison game, all that stuff, when you talk about image and reality, we grow discontent in where we are. And sometimes, a lot of times, it's not for the better. It's not for the better. God had a plan with David. And Absalom's here to try to, to, to overthrow this plan, to try to overthrow this plan. And He's, he's creating discontentment in the hearts of Israel so that he can steal these hearts and become king and take that away. In uh, verse eight, we continue on. For your servant vowed a vow while I was living in, at Gesher and Aram, uh, saying, if the Lord shall indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will, then I will serve the Lord. The question is, like, were you not serving the Lord before? Like, why are you waiting, why are you waiting until you go back to Jerusalem? Like, you don't, you don't get to make those requests to, to God, okay, God, if you take me here, then I, will, then I will serve you. No, that's not how it works. Absalom committed treason under the guise of worship. He, he's trying to overthrow the government, and, and he throws in, then I'll serve the Lord, and as a way to, to be like, oh, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing it for the Lord. No, this is all for the Lord. No, it's for himself, and we're able to see it, but in, the, in his moments, I don't know. Was Absalom able to see it? I believe so. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. But were those around him, those closest to him, were they able to see it? That's a great question. I don't have the answer to it. Sorry. <laughs> but that's my thoughts. Divisive people never actually see themselves as divisive. I think Absalom, he didn't see himself as divisive. Now he was. I didn't think he saw him. I don't think he saw himself as divisive. I think he saw himself, honestly, he genuinely thought that he was doing what was right. He, he, he did think that he was doing what was right, but it also brings the question, like, what accountability does he have in his life, ultimately, up to this point? Like, who's actually keeping him accountable and telling him what's truth and what's, what's real? You know, we all need somebody. We all need people in our life. Life groups are important because we're to do life together, not just for a semester or a season, but, like, we continue to grow and foster those relationships. We say connect to grow for a reason because we're, we're growing together. None of us are perfect when we step into those groups, but accountability is important. And I, and I heard something the other day that people misconstrue what accountability really is. Accountability, people think, is them telling on themselves. Uh, or, or, no, people think that accountability is uh, people calling people out for, for their sin or their wrongdoings or whatever, but accountability really is that you are telling on yourself. You have to be able to, to put the pride aside, to, to, to put the image aside, and be able to come to whoever people you have in your life and say, hey, you know, I messed up here. 
you know, I, 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 did, I, I fell into this sin or this, that, or the other. I'm really struggling with this. We have to be willing to humble ourselves. And the way we humble ourselves is by telling on ourselves to those closest to us, those trusted individuals that, can, that, that we can uh, hold us accountable in that. See, many only believe one is divisive if they admit being divisive. We see this in our world today. Like, there are so many. We talk, we talk politics. There's a lot of people trying to create a divide. Media, really, media is nuts about creating division across, across the United States and, and the world, all this stuff. It gets blown out of proportion or it's, not blown out of, or, or it's not brought enough attention, depending on the story. And ultimately, you know, they are being divisive and, and they're never gonna come out and say that they're being divisive. It's our job to realize, hey, this is just creating division. I see what they're doing here. It's creating division. And, you know, we're, we're called the United States. We're supposed to be united, all right? And, and that's just the truth. Like, we don't have to like everybody. We don't, we don't have to. Now, we're called to, to love one another as, as ourselves. Like, called to serve, serve others, just like Jesus did. Like, we, we, are, we are held to that standard, but it, it, we, we have to recognize that there are there. Are, people. They're, they're, the, the enemy is at work to steal, to kill, destroy. And we have to recognize that that is very well at play in our lives today. And he's going to come and he, he comes to bring division. He is a father of lies and he's going to create division because of this. And it's going to create confusion in the process. We look to verse nine. It says, the king said to him, go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom is king in Hebron. See, David, he does not seem concerned with Absalom's intentions. When he says, go in peace, he's not thinking, like, what, what's he going to do? He just, he's just granting him his wish. Yeah, go in peace. He's not concerned with what his intentions of going there are for. But the spies that we read about, they're similar to complicit media, who are essentially like puppets. I mean, that's in our world. Like, we see it day in and day out. If you're watching the news, if you're, like, reading the paper, whatever it is, the complicit media, they are like puppets. They, they do what, what others tell them to do and then to create division, to create confusion just for one, one party or another to get their way. And that's just the truth. But we serve, uh, we serve ultimately, where's the hope in this? Like, it, it, it may seem like, well, we're lost, like lost cause. We're, there's no hope. The hope in this is, is Jesus of all, of our life. The greatest hope of all is Jesus. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the head government. He is the, the chief. He is the one on the throne. And that is our hope. And we must be reminded that when we see the division in our world, that we have a great hope. And that great hope is in Jesus. But the spies, this is an attempt to, to bring confusion to the people. Bring, bringing confusion to the people is key for Absalom's story. It's key for, for what Absalom is trying to do. And in 1 Corinthians, we actually see this. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. If God is not a God of confusion, then we know who is the father of confusion. That's the enemy. When confusion comes in our life, like God, he does, he, things are clear. We may not always understand everything, the purpose or reason for everything in the exact moment, but God is not a God of confusion. And we must recognize that. He brings peace in our lives. So when it comes, you're making a big decision. If you're really confused in the process, you have no peace, probably shouldn't do it. Let's just make it very clear. Sometimes it will take faith on our part. It could be fear of like failure or whatever. Like that, that, that is the enemy at work, at play, in our lives every single day. 
And we have to recognize that because God is not a God of confusion, but one of peace. See, lies travel fast while truth can't even get its foot out the door. Absalom, his, his lies here, they are, they are going, they're bouncing off one person after another. Every person that comes, they just keep growing and growing and growing. But the truth of the matter can't even get its foot out the door. And we see that in our lives today. We see that in our world today. There are so many lies. We talk about, talk about fake news, talk about all this stuff that's going on around us. It, it, it seems so overwhelming, but there's something I heard once that said, just because it's the loudest voice doesn't mean it's the, the truth. And we have to recognize that. Just because something is, is louder than the other does not mean that that is true. And we continue on in verse 11 today. Verse 11, then 200 men went with Absalom from Jerusalem who were invited and went innocently and they did not know anything. When the innocent and an unknowing are among the divisive, their silence is always received as agreement. We, we, this is very relatable to our world today, guys. Very relatable. A lot of people are innocent. They don't actually know what's going on. They are innocent. But because they're innocent, their silence, because people see them as innocent, their silence is received as agreement. And I think that's a good reminder for us that as a church, we can't be silent on certain issues. We cannot afford to be silent. We cannot afford to be silent on, on things that directly go against the word of God. Because when we are silent, people see it as agreements. And I'm not here to, uh, to agree with the world. That's not our job. Our job is not to agree with the world. Our job is to win souls for the kingdom of God in this world. And to do that means at times we gotta step on some toes, say, no, that's wrong. No, that's sin. And we have to be bold. We may lose friends, may we lose families. So what? Like I know that seem, may seem harsh, but so what? Because eternity is at play. And it's our job to save people before they get pushed off a cliff. We continue on in verse 12. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, Gilo, which he, while he was offering the sacrifices and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Who was Ahithophel? Ahithophel was one of David's top aides and he defects to support Absalom. Ahithophel was also the, the grandfather of Bathsheba, which David went, slept with Bathsheba, and then killed her husband, Uriah. His grandfather, right? Pastor, Kath, Pastor Kathy's in the house, so I looked to her. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, grandfather of Bathsheba. So there's probably some tension going on there. He may have been a top aide, but he probably had some, his, some own resentment in his life. He probably had some own resentment in, in his mind, unforgiveness that was unsettling. So he decides, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm not gonna serve him anymore. I'm gonna go support Absalom. But what, what, what we see here is that this actually did hurt David. Like he was, he was hurt, he was saddened by this. Because we look at Psalm 41, verse nine says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. He's hurt by this. Like one of his top aides, like, yeah, maybe David did go, you know, go sleep with another man's wife, and, and it happened to be Ahithophel's granddaughter, but he was still hurt in this moment that somebody he trusted greatly would have betrayed him like this. 
See, even wise men, though, they can take their side with divine and destructive leaders. Some, I think, at times, they, they, they don't know everything. They're, they're innocent in the matter. It doesn't mean that they're wise because they went to destructive leaders. They were wise before that. And then they, 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 they align themselves with this. That's what, that's what I think Ahithophel does. He, he's, a, he's a great wise man. He's a top aide for a reason. But he's, he sides with Absalom. And, and Absalom, we're going to see as we continue to walk through, he's, he's a destructive, destructive leader. Momentum for division builds because others are already causing division. Thing is, the division just doesn't just start right off, right off the bat and like just run. No, division's already happening. Little, little things here, little things there, creating division, and then they all kind of click, and then there the momentum grows. It's not just one thing that creates division. It's a number of things that will create division in our world. See, Absalom was the son of David who lived in his offense with his father. But I wanna share some differences between Absalom and the king of kings that we get to serve Jesus. He may have lived in his offense with his father while Jesus was the son of David, bore injustice and forgave every level of it. Absalom was a pretender as a righteous judge, but Jesus is the authentic righteous judge. Absalom stole the hearts of the people while Jesus purchased them with his blood to restore them with his love. Absalom offered sacrifices to crown himself, while Jesus became the sacrifice with a crown of thorns. We must remember that in all of this, in all the division that's happening with, with Absalom, all the confusions that's, that's rising up, we can relate to it in our world today. There are so many people that are confused. There are so many people that don't know, they don't know what to do. They, they feel that maybe they've lost hope, that there's been division created in our world. And there has been. There, there is division. We're not supposed to be like those of this world. We are, we are set apart. And, and I think we need to be reminded of, although Absalom, the main character of this story, while it's important, it's important because it's a reminder of the main character of all of our stories, being Jesus. Because he laid himself down. While, while, while Absalom went out to, to, to receive, to, to, to he scratch and claw just to get his way, just to, to be king, Jesus was the one that laid himself down. Only he could lay himself down. Only he could lay his life down. Nobody could take it from him. He was the sacrifice that covered a multitude of sins. I want us to focus on where we're at today in our lives. Where is the confusion in our life? Are, are we confused at why? I'm asking the question, God, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to battle this or that or the other? Where's the confusion? Where's the division in your life? Where have you been prideful? Where have you held unforgiveness that has allowed division to come between you and family, between you and loved ones, whatever it may be. 
want you to think about this and our prayer team's gonna come forward. And as they come forward, I wanna invite those who need prayer. It doesn't have to be related to this message. If it is, I really hope. I really hope that you'll come forward in confidence and boldness, recognizing that we serve a great God. We serve a great King. And there's literally nothing that is over him. He's conquered all. So whatever confusion we have in our life today, whatever, whatever doubts we have in our life today, whatever division there is in our life or our world, even if you wanna stand in the gap for somebody that you know, you could stand in the gap for, for this nation if you want. There's no gap in the spirit. So here we are as a church. How do we respond? I believe we respond with prayer. We're praying church. There's power in prayer. And there's power in, in, in praying with others. So I invite you to come forward. Even if you just wanna lay yourself at the altar, prostrate yourself. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. We're gonna go into this last song and we're gonna remember. I, wanna, I just want us to, to look real deeply at our hearts. None of us are perfect. Not me, not anybody else who steps on this stage. We just recognize that the authority that we get to walk with is because of the great sacrifice of Jesus, the blood poured out, and the resurrection three days later that's given us great authority to conquer all the schemes of the enemy. How he prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. Don't wait until he attacks. Let's get on the offense.